Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. We hope that at least our delayed broadcast is getting this one because our system at the moment is... Well, it's recording, but that's about all it's doing. It's refusing to do anything else. So (laughs) we're just going to continue on with the show so that – because we love our delayed broadcast listeners. Yeah. My mom's a delayed broadcast listener, actually. There you go. So she will catch this on on Monday. Yeah. But it's actually Friday. Yes. So it's the end of the week. Mm Mm-hmm. Just as, your, as, as all our delayed people are beginning their week, our live people are ending their week, but our live people aren't actually doing anything at the moment because I don't think they're hearing a thing that we're saying uh, because our system has just crashed. It's gone. It's over. It's done. Okay, so where are we up to? Um, a quick reminder that after the show, in fact, I don't even know what people, they might be listening to it right now, but scheduled at the end of the breakfast show, is the end dot digital for all of those of you who may have missed it last night. Hey. So last night, I got to tell you, was probably my favorite presentation That's, out of the yeah. series. The favorite, my favorite one that I got to actually do. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So it was. Uh, I'm super keen to uh, to share that one with you all, and some just some some amazing history right there. Mm. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely give us a. Um, um, give us a call if you'd like to have some more information about the N.Digital. Uh, definitely join us on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday evenings when we do that presentation. We had so much fun in the Q&A time. We never get time to do all of the uh, questions that come in. Wow. But we get really good ones. Yeah. yeah. Like seriously good questions. Any questions that you get stumped on? Not yet, Not praise yet. God. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a challenge for you all. Going to put out the challenge there. Uh <laughs> It's uh, let me try and think. It's Monday for our delayed broadcast listeners, and so the end dot digital will be on tomorrow night for you guys. Mm. Uh, so that's Tuesday night, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, put your thinking caps on, listen to the program, mm-hmm. and see if you can stump the panel. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be my goal in life. <laughs> well, you're allowed to do this. Yes, this is something so this I is, can do. This is something that Renee can do. So uh, we will be looking forward to the tough question from Renee yep. on Tuesday yep. night. Yeah. And we'll see if – you're going to be up against people like Sharissa Tarosian <laughs> and Matt Parra. I'm not oh. liking your chances. No, no, but hey. <laughs> it's worth a try, right? Yeah. It is worth it because then you will definitely you'll be able to come in on – Thursday, because you do Thursdays, mm. um, you'd be able to come in on Thursday and like, yes, I stumped the panel. <laughs> That's what I'm grateful for. I am, yes, you can be grateful. That can be your thankfulness in the morning. Yeah. Stump the panel. All right. And, of course, anybody who is listening to the Digital, yeah, just take up the challenge. See if you can stump the panel with something. Mm. We haven't been stumped yet. It'd be fun. There is every possibility. There is Studying the Bible is a little bit like finding that, uh, that new reef. Yeah. Because there's so often you discover something that is just under the surface and it's been there the entire time and you never knew it was there. Mm-hmm. And it's so close, but yet, yeah. And you have just an, never have knew. A, yeah. And, and there's so much. You know, when you, when you get these questions that come through, sometimes it, it reveals just how little we know about the Bible. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can study it for a lifetime, and there's the Bible is very much like DNA. We were talking about DNA with yeah. Doctor Sven earlier. 
And you can read DNA forwards and backwards. Mm -hmm. You can read it diagonally through it. You can read it from any direction you want and it's going to have different words and each one of those different words is going to have different information but it's going to be really, really important information. Mm. So it's a really remarkable form of communication. It's so, so much more complex than any form of communication that we have on planet Earth right now. And, uh, well, I guess it is on planet Earth, but that <laughs> humans have invented <laughs> yeah. on planet Earth. And the Bible is like that. There are layers and depths of meaning and things that you can find that you just sort of never saw before. Mm. There is symbolism. There are codes. There are types and antitypes. With all this, it can be it can get overwhelming. So for someone who's, I guess, reading the Bible, like how do you keep going without being discouraged with like, I don't know anything? <laughs> well, this is the beauty of it. This is the beauty of it mm. is that for, you know, the average person who picks up, say, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, uh, Genesis, whatever, even a child can read it, understand it, and be blessed by it. Mm. And then you can get somebody who is, you know, a scholar with, you know, a whole slew of letters after their name. Mm -hmm. And they pick up those exact same books and they've been studying them for their lifetime and they've got a thesis written on them. Mm -hmm. And they discover stuff they have never, ever seen before. Mm. You know, we had uh, Dr. Sven Erstring here yeah. um, earlier and there's been several times when we've talked about things, you know, he's come to me and he's like, oh, you know, I found this in the Bible. And uh, Matt Parra, who uh, is known as, you know, he's kind of like the local philosopher here. Yeah, I've the, heard. In, you know, and, and is the kind of guy who has just this brain like a steel trap. You never want to get involved mm. in a social media debate with Matt Parra <laughs> because, you know, you are up against one of the sharpest brains that there is around. Yeah. And this is why we have him on the on the panel on yeah. the end dot digital. Um, so this is a place that you don't want to go. And yet he came to me last night with a passage from Deuteronomy. That's like the books of Moses. I mean, they've been around for three and a half thousand years. How many times have they been read? How many times have they been studied? Countless he's like, read times. this verse. And I've read the verse. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and? And he's like, have you ever seen this before? And he just unpacked it. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, I've never seen that before. He's like, I've never seen it before either. And he just was reading it for his devotions that morning and suddenly there it was. Yeah. You know, the whole gospel, one verse, and it was just like mind-blowing stuff. Uh -huh. And so this is the beauty of the Bible. It can be understood by a child. You can teach it to your three-year-old and it never loses its fascination for the most educated people on the planet. Some of the greatest minds that have ever existed. You know, you look at Sir Isaac Newton, who was the most influential scientist that ever lived. Mm -hmm. And he studied science for several decades. And he produced, in, in a very short space of time, he produced uh, theories and concepts and discoveries within science that have transformed the world that are completely different from anything the world has ever seen or experienced. Uh and then you would think, okay, this guy is going to go on and, you know, he's going to take us to the moon. He's going to take us to Mars, you yeah. know. Oh, well, his, his discoveries are taking us there now, but you'd be thinking he's going to take us there within his lifetime because he was such a genius. Yeah. Like just a off-the-charts genius. 
And then he started to study the Bible and he's going, whoa, wait a minute. There is so much more to discover here than what there is in science. And so he dedicated like the next 30, 40 years of his life. He never wrote another thing about science. He just wrote about the Bible. This is Isaac Newton. This is Sir Isaac Newton. I didn't know that. Yes. He got completely out of science. Wow. And he just focused on the Bible because of the depths of knowledge that were in the Bible. It's like that's where the real treasure is. That's where it really is. That's Mm. where it's at. Mm. And so he wrote more about the Bible than he ever did about science. His book on Daniel Revelation, amazing stuff. Uh, Really incredible discoveries. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 is where we're going to begin. We're going to look at the story of Jesus and let's go to Luke chapter 2 verse 8. We will read a little bit of a passage here. So yeah, just start reading there and then we will stop when we feel like it. Okay. So that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Okay, that's an amazing story right there. Yeah. And here you've got Jesus. Let's let's think about the birth of Jesus for a moment. We're, we're coming up to Christmas. We're allowed to say that word now, I think. Yes, we're, we are. We're near enough to November. Yes, we are. Uh, we're, so we're allowed to use the Christmas word. Uh, in fact, we can use that word all year long because remembering <laughs> the birth of Jesus is just a, you know, a very uh, a very special thing. But Absolutely. okay, so you've got this baby. He's born to peasants. Mm. These are at the bottom of the socioeconomic level uh, in ancient Israel. They are at the bottom of society. You know, this is not the ruling class. These are not blue bloods. These are the lowest class people, mm. the working class. He's born to these kind of people. He's not born in his hometown, so he's not born with all of the support that you get from, you know, family and so forth. Because I'm sure, Renee, when you have children, you're going to have like all kinds <laughs> of cousins and aunts and yeah, they'll uncles. Be they'll all be there to give you support <laughs> yeah. and to uh, be a part of that child's life. Yeah, Jesus is born a long, long way away from where he has any kind of family support. Mm. He is born probably several days' journey away. Now, in, a, in, in our world today, that's the equivalent of the other side. If you're going to tra- travel for several days, you're going to end up in Europe, the United States, Africa, somewhere like that, yep. the other side of the world. It's the equivalent of being born on the other side of the world when you consider how long it would take for him to have any contact or his family to have any contact with family. That's right, yeah. So these are the these are the six situations. So he Jesus is born two peasants with no, you know, social network, social support because they're a long way from home. And we know that they have no social support because we might say, well, you know, Joseph originally came from uh, the town of Bethlehem, so uh, maybe he does have social support. Well, if that was the case, he wouldn't have been staying in the hotel except he's not staying in the hotel. He would have gone back there and stayed with relatives. But because he can't stay with relatives, he's staying in with the hotel. But he can't stay in the hotel because the hotel is full because uh, Caesar Augustus has started a census, which means everyone goes to the, the, uh, the place where they were born. And so Jesus is 
So they can't stay in the hotel. And so behind the hotel, there is a filthy stable. Now, I don't know whether you've been to a developing country where the primary means of transport is by animals. Uh, but, you know, I think it was you know, about a year ago, year or so ago, year and a half ago, whatever, I was in Ethiopia. And Ethiopia kind of runs on donkey transport. Oh. Uh, I even got a, for my number plate collection, <laughs> a number plate off a donkey cart. Oh. There you go. So um, when you think about, and, and so I've been in those kinds of stables. Mm. And basically what you've got is the floor is made up of dirt that is saturated with decades worth of feces and urine. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> um there is a roof over your head. Yeah. And that's why they stayed there. But you can you imagine when the time comes to give birth and that's where you are? Mm. That'd be pretty horrific, wouldn't it? Yeah. And so then you've got this baby um, Jesus, he's born, and the Bible says that they wrap in, him in swaddling clothes, which is language that we don't have today. That is Old English. It means rags. Oh. So they've wrapped him in rags and they put him in a manger. You know, you go to a uh, Road to Bethlehem program like that and you've got these sweet little babies <laughs> that are lying in, you know, freshly cut hay yeah. and a few animals that are, you know, Bought in and anything <laughs> anything untoward that they do is very quickly cleaned up and removed yeah. from the environment. And it's all sweet and nice and happy yeah. and, and everybody's having a good time. Uh, that's not what it was like. It was a filthy old manger that, you know, probably 30, 40, 50 years worth of generations of animals had been eating out of and slobbering all over. And you know how, you know, a cow slobbers. Mm. That's gross. So that's, that's going to be every- – this is gross. Yeah. All right, so um, that's what that's the environment that we've got right there. Peasants with a child being born in the lowest conditions imaginable. Where do we get up to? Um, we're up to 13 or 12. Keep, keep reading, keep reading. Okay. Um, so suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. You've got these shepherds. Mm -hmm. Once again, they're at the bottom of society. They're working class people. They are simple shepherds. They are out on the hills of Bethlehem. What's interesting is you can go to Bethlehem today. Uh, it's in the West Bank, and one of the very few sites that are really, really, really credible as being genuine is a series of small caves where the shepherds used to hang out while they watched their flocks of sheep during the night. And you can go there today. And it's kind of really special. It's like, wow, this is where this actually happened. Um, it would be highly unlikely that it's supported by archaeology, it's supported by history, it's supported by its location, it's re- supported by the description that we have here in the Bible. And so, you know, it has a lot of support for it. So that's kind of cool. You can go there. Is it beautiful? Like, is it like green rolling hills? It wasn't when I was there. A hmm. uh, bit barren, actually. Okay. You, get a, you get a piece of real estate that has, you know, 4,000 years of almost continuous warfare. 
it's going to leave some scars. Yeah. Not a lot of topsoil. Mm. There are other places that are very fertile, but yeah. Israel is showing its age as a nation. Indeed. Um, as, a piece of, as a piece of dirt, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so the angel comes and says, you'll go and find him lying in a manger. They go and they find him lying in a manger. And they don't just congratulate the parents. They go further than that, don't they? What do they actually do when they find Jesus? The shepherds? The shepherds. What How do they, they respond to Jesus? I, I believe it says that they worship him. They worship him. Mm. Now, so this is, these, are, these are Jewish people. These are not polytheists. You know, they're not Greeks or something like that that have a whole bunch of gods and it's like, well, he's a new god, so we'll worship him. These are Jews who are staunchly monotheists. I mean, this is, this is, there's probably few things that they are more staunch about other than the fact that there is one God. That's it. No one else. And this is key to their religion, even all the way down through to, through to today. And they find a baby that's been born in Wallard conditions to poverty-stricken parents lying in a feed trough and wrapped in rags and they worship that baby as their creator. You can wrap your head around that for a moment. They are worshipping that baby as their creator. It's like, yes, that's our creator right there. He's the one who spoke and the universe came into existence. He is the one who created us as individuals. They worship him, the Bible says. Keep reading. Where do we get up to? Let's, uh, let's, let's read on here a little bit. That's, um, so we're up to, hmm, um, I think, 16. Yeah. Just finish it out to verse 20. Yeah. Okay. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had, ha- what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard about the shepherds' stories were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, guys. It is The Breakfast Show. You're with Lyle and Renee here in the morning, and we are working our way through. You know, we've been having all kinds of trouble. We're on air. We're off air. We're all over the place. A uh, bit of a challenge. We are at least thankful that our delayed broadcast listeners will get a, a good, clean signal. But in the meantime, we just press ahead. And I just want to say I'm super thankful for all of our listeners. Mm. We've got a bunch of listeners who have been calling us in and giving us updates, mm. letting us know what's been going on. We do appreciate that. So big shout out to uh, Aaron, Raphael, um, Darren this morning who have been helping us there. Um, and we've also, you know, it's also good to have support from our listeners who even though they've been hitting, picking up like titbits yeah. of the show uh, and sometimes it just, you know, cuts out to something else, they've been hanging in there yeah, and even sharing comments. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, and so we had this one comment that came through, you know. Okay, we take, let's hear it. We take for granted, we, we take it so much for granted until it's taken away, talking about the radio show. 
Yeah. yeah because this is uh, this person's a faithful listener. They listen every day and it's like we take it for granted until it's taken away. Uh-huh. Soon all our radio stations and internet and satellite programs will be shut down by the government. Oh. Now that sounds radical, doesn't it? Mm. Um, it's only a matter of time. Let's enjoy it while we can. Surely the time will come when you shall go around the world to seek the word, but it will not be found. You know, it sounds super radical. Mm. It's actually what the Bible says. Yeah, the Bible's a radical um, book. Th- the Bible talks about a time when you can travel all the way around the world looking for the word of God, not being able to find it. Wow, yeah. And the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 13, and this is part of what we've been dealing with in the N.Digital. We've been looking in detail in Revelation 13, and this is some of the passages that we're coming up to very soon um, that we're going to look at in more depth. So if you go to Revelation chapter 13, uh, Revelation 13, the Bible says he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast would both speak and force that as many as would not worship the image of the beast would be killed. That's even more radical. That's like ridiculously radical. Mm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, that's never going to happen, whatever. You know, dream on. Um, guys, think about last Christmas. If I had come to you last Christmas and said, you know what, here in Australia, come March, you won't be able to leave your house without having a good excuse. Would any of, anyone have believed me? No. You would have been honestly ready to get me medical attention. If I'd have said that. Mm. You and and you would have said, okay, even if a global pandemic does come, there's no way in a million years that Australians are going to submit to that. Mm. But it happened. Yeah. And very, very few people even complained. I remember seeing police like uh, monitoring our streets constantly. Yeah. And this it was is just <laughs> kind of scary. <laughs> it was. Yeah. And this is the point. When people are afraid, they will do anything. There is no no motivator like fear. And whether the threat is real or whether it is created doesn't matter. All that matters is that fear exists. And you read radical statements like this, like the Bible says right here, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, that can never happen. Never, no, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, well. It happened. (laughs) We have some very, very modern examples of how rapidly our world can change. Okay, so we had, uh, let me see here. Um, Another text, another person texting in here. Awesome to have Christmas kicking in. Thanks. Yay. (laughs) Been a year where Christmas will be awesome, symbolizing that God is in control. We need Christmas this year. 2020 really needs Christmas. (laughs) Please. We need it more than we've ever needed before. Um, and then we've got another text message coming through right now. What does it say here? I've been praying the devil has a hold. Uh, was playing Havoc last night to, to when people couldn't get the link to work. Satan hates the work that we're doing. So, um, yeah, really good to have our uh, team praying for us. We need your prayers. It was interesting the other day that we had the same problem and it was cropping up every time I went to mention the end.digital. Yeah. So every time I mentioned the end.digital, the system would crash. And it wasn't until the end of the show that we realized what was happening. And I sent a message out to people who had been contacting the station and said, this is what's happening. Every time we go to end to, to mention the end.digital, the system crashes. Pray for us. Mm. And 
Uh, about a minute later, we went to air. We started talking about the N. Digital. It didn't crash. The Thanks signal God. hung in there. It's, it hung in there and it yeah. stayed in there for the message to go out and the message went out. Mm. And that was as a result of prayer. Mm. We, we, we need to realise that this is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. We, there is a whole spiritual realm around us, the great controversy. The battle for souls is taking place. And when people are involved in soul winning work, particularly the devil hates it. In fact, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen on this subject more than any other subject. The, the subject that the devil hates the most is Revelation 13. I've had it twice happen, once in Blacktown, once in Port Macquarie. What happened? We're going to preach on Revelation 13. Power went out. Massive thunderstorm. Power's gone out. And on both occasions, what was interesting was that they got power going everywhere except where we were. And on both occasions, we just kept preaching. Mm. Just pulled out flashlight. Uh, in fact, in Blacktown, that was back before phones had lights on them, and we actually um, drove a car up the front steps, pointed its headlights into the hall what? so that we had light <laughs> That's amazing. and just kept preaching. <laughs> uh, in, in Port Macquarie, just pulled out the, uh, the old phone um, torch, shone it on the pages and just kept preaching. And the audience sat there and listened mm. because they recognised this was spiritual warfare and the devil hates it mm. when you talk about Revelation 13. Right now we're in the middle of a nine-part series on Revelation 13, mm. the end digital. It's what it's all about. Yeah. If you want to hear what, the, what Satan really, really hates, then support that program. Mm. You know, the devil's get, getting plenty of support this weekend. It's Halloween, all that kind of thing. Let's give Jesus Christ some support. Let's support the passages of the Bible that actually expose and reveal. Because this is the thing. Revelation 13, it just completely unmasks everything that Satan's trying to do. You know, it's the most devastating chapter in the Bible just about for what Satan is trying to accomplish at the end of times. It's like for 2,000 years he's had to operate with everything he's planning just being written there in plain language for everybody to see it and to read it. That must be super frustrating for him. It's no wonder he works so hard. Yeah. Where are we up to? Uh, we got sidetracked onto spiritual warfare. <laughs> we were talking about the uh, okay, so we're talking about the, the the shepherds and how they worship Jesus as their creator. Mm-hmm. Now they had a very special experience because they had the arrival of an angel that would catch your attention, and so they've probably got a little bit more excuse than the wise men that came from the east, the magi. Mm-hmm. Because they they find the same Jesus, the same peasant child. These are the most brilliant minds in the world at this particular time. These are Persian elite philosophers, highly educated, top of the class. Yeah. So you kind of got you know the two extremes right there, and the Persian elite. They also come. And all the evidence says, nah, this is not the Messiah. But they recognize the Messiah. They worship him and they give him gifts that are worthy of the ruler and creator of the universe. The best that they could provide here on this earth. It's like, well, what's worthy of the ruler and creator of the universe? But they, they gave the best that they had. They didn't honor him. They worshiped him. Mm. That's a different level again. 
and that shows that they fully recognised exactly who Jesus was. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so uh, we have now time for... Question of the Day. So this comes from the two-part question from yesterday. Um, and the second part of the question goes, why does Bible Hub chronology say Jesus was baptized at 26 AD, yet some others say 27 AD? Yes, and the Bible says 27 AD. That's the important one right here. And this illustrates the problem with history because you often have historians who, uh, historians love to speak with great certainty about <laughs> the events of the past. Yeah. And uh, if you don't take the Bible and take inspiration as your foundation for history, you can come up with all kinds of interpretations of history, particularly because the ancients didn't record history. They recorded victories and not history. But even if you come down to modern times, let me give you a modern example of the problem of history. So take the assassination of uh, John Kennedy, right, as an example. So here you've got a situation um, that takes place it's just a few decades ago. It happens in broad daylight. Kennedy is an open-top car, so everyone can see what's going on. He's surrounded by the most highly trained law enforcement people on the planet in the most developed country in the world. Uh, there are thousands of eyewitnesses of the event. It's the middle of a clear, sunny day. There are very few obstructions to block people's lines of sight. There are multiple cameras present, and the actual event is captured on a movie camera in colour. You know, this is a historian's dream. Mm. Um, of the thousands of witness, witnesses that were there, the vast majority of them were literate and able to write down what they saw. You know, it's like the historian's version of the hot air balloon, you know, hanging over the top of the event so you could actually record what actually happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so this is, this is how the assassination of Kennedy took place. Okay, after the assassination, not only that, there have been multiple investigations to determine what happened. So you've got things like, uh, for instance, the uh, Dallas Police and uh, the Warren Commission. You've got the FBI report. You've got the Ramsey Clark panel. You've got the Rockefeller Commission. You've got the Church Committee. You've got the United States House Select Committee on Assassinations. You've got the JFK Act and Assassinations Rec Records Review Board, which you know took place in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Out of these, you've got uh, around about 60,000 documents that have been submitted, making up more than 4 million pages with dealing with the event. Mm -hmm. And yet none of them can agree on what actually happened. No way. This is the challenge of history. And so when we speak with great confidence about the things of the past... They may or may not be true, mm. except in his in his how you deal with history. You can take history with a certain level of a grain of salt and you sort of think, well, there's nothing in history we can believe at all. No, that's not true because there is a book called the Bible which was written under inspiration of the Holy Spirit who does actually know what happened. And when you've got the Bible and you've got you know historians like, well, it might be 26 AD or it might be 27 AD or it might be 28 AD, we're not really sure, and the Bible says, well, actually it was 27 AD, then you've got your answer. You don't need to look any further. The Bible has told you which, the correct, which is the correct date. Unfortunately, we have a lot of Bible scholars and Bible academics who have you know lots of degrees in the Bible who are actually atheists. They don't actually believe the Bible. 
That's the simple reality. And because they don't believe the Bible, like, well, you know, we we trust more in history than we do the Bible. Well, I trust more in in the Bible than I do in history. And you know, I think that JFK assassination is just a, a great example right there of why I'm going to trust what the Bible says rather than what some historian says, regardless of the level of confidence with which they state it and, you know, put it in black and writing and, you know, the level of credibility the book that is written in might be. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.